Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Welcome to the show, everybody. We have the Premier League at hand. City already victorious over Burnley, but... That was to be expected anyway. But the breaking news is that Harry Kane is in Germany and the long-awaited saga of Kane to Bayern Munich may finally be put to bed before Spurs even plays their first match. So, that was to be expected. But just for you fantasy players, I was talking about this for ages, uh... To folks uh, before I even did my recording, but realistically, the number one transfer is going to be Son. The guy who I think benefits more out of King going to Bayern is Richarlison, because I think Richarlison goes up top. I think Son is going to play off of him, and then you have Madison basically getting a slight bump, but he's going to do what he normally does anyway. I think this all plays towards uh, Spurs being a better team. I actually think they're going to play better without uh, Kane. Kane, at the stage where he was in his career, wasn't really doing the necessary work of 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 actually like you know hustling. Like he was doing a lot of poaching. Yeah, he was adding to the goal tally, but it wasn't as though he was doing a ton of work. That was really beneficial to the team. And I honestly believe, and we'll get to my overall rankings for Spurs, because I had them way further up than most people will. I think they'll be better for it. And I'm not saying because they're going to do a huge cash influction, because it, this is Daniel Levy we're, we're freaking talking about here. Uh, he, he, he's going to make money off of Kane. Not as much as he would have if he just sold him to City in the first place and made more money, but again, Levy's game plan is about maximizing revenue. He's very much like Hal Steinbrenner. I think they would be best buds, truth be told. Anywho, as I said, Spurs, I think long-term benefits from not having Kane. Short-term, everyone will act as though the world's on fire and that uh, it's all doom and gloom in London for Spurs this year. So that's the quick takeaway. Anywho, a couple uh, things to know. Uh, Promoted teams this year for the Premier League. You've got Sheffield United back up top. You got Burnley back in the Premier League. 
And then our third team is Luton Town. Luton Town, you say? Yes. Uh, basically, uh, first time actually being in the Premier League was a non-league side in 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 the fashion that at like almost a decade ago, this team was out of professional football. Which is again one of those rags to riches stories that you can only get in the Premier League when you got relegation involved. Uh, but you know, realistically, uh, Luton uh, rags to riches story don't really have finances. They're going to probably be the rock bottom team in the league this year. So um, you know, enjoy them while they last. I don't expect them to last very long. Uh, I have them as the twentieth team. And get and getting bounced. Next up, I got Wolves. Uh, it, you know it's bad when your manager pulls the ripcord before the season even starts, uh, which is uh, Lepentegui, uh saved Wolves from getting relegated last year because Wolves was on that chopping block last year uh, before the managerial uh, change. Uh, it was a complete disaster to start the year for Wolves. They've lost Nevis. They've lost Raul Jimenez. They haven't replaced anybody. This team stinks. Uh, like, just being perfectly honest, I, I don't really see Wolves doing much of anything this year. I think they're going to be in the bottom uh, bottom three for the majority of the year. Uh, uh, th- we're going to talk about another team that's going to be in a relegation battle for most of the year for a while. But we'll get we'll get to the other team that I think is going to be battling relegation all year long. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think Wolves is going to be in that bottom three with Luton Town pretty much all season long. I, I think these are the two worst teams in the league, and we'll we'll, we'll gotta go from there. Next up, my A team scene, the team I, I'm ex- uh, going to call for the drop, Nottingham Forest. The team that really should have dropped last year. Uh, Forrest had a terrible goal differential. They literally were, I think they were uh, the the fourth, uh, fourth least goal scoring team in the league. They conceded like almost 70 goals. Realistically, they had a just as bad of a goal differential as Leeds and you know, rest in peace leads. Uh, good luck in the championship. Not really. Um, but, you know, four should have dropped. I mean, the fact that it was Leicester is more of a, uh, it's more of an indication of just like how many screw ups Leicester had in matchups that they should not have lost or dropped points in than Forrest actually being good. They were demonstrably bad. So was Everton, by the way. We'll get to Everton in a bit. Um, but yeah, I think Forrest is going to drop. Uh, I, I think, you know, they, they, they got the, they got a lot of fortunate breaks in my opinion down the stretch of the year. They could have easily dropped, uh, it, and it would not have shocked me. Uh, next up 17th place. I got Burnley. Burnley promoted Burnley scored a bunch of goals in the championship. That's out of play. Definitely not going to work. <laughs> like with their talent level, Vincent Company knows this. He's going to make them more defensive. They're they're going to still struggle to score goals. They'll be better defensively than uh, most teams that are going to be 
near the bottom here. But because of the fact that they don't necessarily have the talent level, they're going to be in that relegation mix all year long, in my opinion. I if 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 they actually do show that they have some goal scoring threat, and again, looking at their squad, I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily seeing the goals. Uh, that that's where I'm more reticent of talking uh, talking up some of these teams because yes, it's it's going to be a little bit tough uh, kind of uh, picturing like how some of these squads are lining up. Uh, my personal opinion, you know, when you look at Burnley, uh, you know. It's not like they're bad squad. I just, I just, I mean, if you're telling me you're relying on Lyle Foster and Nathan Redmond to be your primary goal, like, I, I'm not, again, I, I just don't see it. Uh, that's just me personally. Moving on. Bournemouth, a team that, quite frankly, again, I, I, I kind of, I'm surprised to see them in the Premier League. You know, every time I watch Bournemouth play, it honestly seems like an accident when they score goals. It, it's not as though they're bad. It's just, it looks, it just doesn't look like it's organized at all. Like, a lot of times, it just seems like individual outplays. And Philip Billing, you know, is 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 an interesting player. I actually kind of like him. Uh, Jadon Anthony, interesting player. But again, Solanke, like... They score these scrub goals. And, and, like, again, I'm not trying to, like, sound, like, completely dismissive, but they actually do not look like an organized team more often than not. They play hard, but, you know, it it almost seems like an accident when they they score goals, to be honest. Like, it's, it's, they, they kind of work off of chaos. I don't think they're particularly good, which is why I think they're, I have them as 16th. Uh, I think talent-wise, they are better than some of the teams that I'm going to start naming above them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it, like, Bournemouth is just one of those weird teams that, you know, I think they're going to hang around. They'll be in a relegation battle. But, like, I think they'll be okay for the most part this year. Uh, I, I think the bottom three, I think, are more clearly defined this year than in uh, most years. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. 15th. We got Sheffield United back in the Premier League. When they first broke in a couple of years back, uh, they were in European contention. And part of that, again, I think it's a gimmick system that they run. I, I think it's it, it gets found out very quickly uh, once you actually start diagnosing how they use their fullbacks. Because they play, they play this... Uh, system where they have the fullbacks bomb up the field they wedge up the middle of the, of the field uh so like they they clog everything up because they're they're shifting the fullbacks and then they flank the fullbacks over the top so they start overlapping and again it's an awkward looking style that you know a lot of teams if you're not if you're not prepped for it it get, it causes a lot of problems and so when they first came out of the premier league people didn't really know how to defend it the second year after like teams actually started breaking down the film, they figured it out, and that's why they got relegated because it, they like they they, they, they were one trick pony. So I actually look at this team as a team where again it's going to take teams a little while to figure out the system because they haven't seen it in a couple of years. 
So the first half of the year, they're going to look good. And they're like, oh, yeah, Sheffield's looking real good. Second half of the year, I think they're going to hit a wall. And then we could start uh, targeting uh, Sheffield for bets against them as teams like start seeing them on the back half of the season. And they uh, start going at them the second uh, time around. But I think they'll bank enough points in the first half of the season that Sheffield should be relatively safe. But then they'll start coming into that relegation battle discussion as we start closing out the year because like people start seeing the losing streak and wondering what's going on. It, it realistically, it's because I don't expect them to score a ton of goals, but defensively, it's a little bit of an awkward system workaround. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of teams are going to have struggles with them initially, uh, just uh, out the gate. Four team spot. And a lot of these teams, again, I'm, I'm saying what spot they are, but in terms of points, they're gonna. They're, all these teams I'm mentioning here are in the 30s. Like I, I think a lot of these te- uh, these teams are like low 20s. Like uh, I mean mid 20s. Like uh, like Luton Town is 26. They're like Wolves 28, Forest 29, Burnley 31, 35 for Bournemouth, 36 uh, for Sheffield. Uh, in 14, I got Brentford at 37. Like realistically though. A lot of these teams are going to be kind of splitting hairs. But Brentford, I actually think Brentford is going to be in a relegation battle to, uh, for most of the uh, first half of the season. Why is that? Because their best player, Yvonne, bets on both sides, Tony, is still on suspension uh, for uh, at least the first three months of the year. Why is he on suspension? Because he was betting on all of his games and games in the championship for the better part of five years. How's that only worth a six-month suspension? I have no idea. You're going to have to talk to the PGMOL on how they worked out that logic and how his suspension also counted in the summer months when no one was playing. So, anyway, you know what? The more I talk about the Tony suspension and how long it took for them to get there and the fact that if he had been suspended earlier, they would have been relegated in last season. You know what? Forget it. Uh, long story short, Brentford, without Tony, this team's getting relegated with Tony. They are a top 10 side. I think all things being equal, they will be in the relegation battle, uh, uh, trying to scrap. Tony comes back. He gives them a goal boost. They're going to be a tricky side to play in the second half of the year. They're going to score more goals. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the scheduling plays out with the teams that have to play Brentford with Tony versus the teams that get to play uh, Tony uh, without Tony uh, to begin with. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Everton, the Toffees should have been relegated last year. Sadly, we are still stuck with them. Anyway, what can we say nice about Everton? Um, still thinking. You know, they still call Sean Dice Ginger Mourinho. Um, there's that. Um, you know, if you want, if you want a team that's going to kick your, kick the opposing team in the shin, Everton is your club. Um, that that's what we'll say. Uh, yeah, Everton. 
basically plays he's like basically plays rugby style football. <laughs> like I really have nothing nice to say about Everton. Like they're gonna scrap out goals, they're gonna do shenanigans, and they will scrape out enough points to stay alive. Uh, you know, last year I thought, you know, they were they should have been relegated. Dice comes in late it, later on in the year to save their asses by, you know, amping up <laughs> the time-wasting tactics and uh, just overall uh, <laughs> overall grimy play. I will say, though, Everton is at risk of these new time-wasting rules. And you're, you're going to see this in the Premier League, where if you're kicking the ball out of bounds and you're doing all these other shenanigans to stop the clock, you're going to get yellow-carded. Everton's going to have a ton of guys on suspension with yellow cards for time-wasting. Just be prepared and don't, like, I, I again, you shouldn't be rostering Everton players to begin with for uh, offense, but, uh, yeah, Everton's going to rack up a lot of yellow cards this year for time-wasting. Uh, just, uh, uh, just be forewarned there. 12th spot, Crystal Palace. Oi! <laughs> Man. Talk about uninspiring football. Uh, Roy Hodgson is back uh, again because, frankly, he tried to retire and they just paid him a lot more money to come back and coach this Palace club because he seems to be the only player who can motivate these players to play hard for at least five months out of the year. Uh, the other uh, the other couple of months, uh, they're on holiday and, you know, Palace will bank enough points to stay in the Premier League and then do nothing else for vast periods of time and just coast through games. So I expect them to potentially be able to finish in the top uh, top half of the draw, but it wouldn't shock me if they finished 13th or 14th. So I have them at 12th at 46 points. They could crack 50 points. It wouldn't shock me if they did. But realistically, it, 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 it's, it's one of those things where... At a certain point, uh, Edward and Eze, Jordanayu, like I don't know, it, 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 it's it's kind of weird that it, it you know with this squad, it, you know, I don't really see a ton coming out of these uh, uh, this squad. Uh, truth be told, like it's not it's not like. A, it's not like uh, I'm saying Michael Olise isn't a good player, but it's like I don't know. They're 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 pesky enough where if you f up, you you will drop points to this club. I just don't necessarily see anything out of them that makes me have any confidence that they're going to contend for a European spot. So that's where they kind of land. West Ham, you know, they're coached by David Moyes. Which means they'll have a floor. I think they'll have a slightly higher ceiling this year. Just because I think they'll have better goalkeeping for Onana uh, in that. I think Onana is going to take over for Fabianski. And I think he will be a better fit for that club. Now, everyone is going to say that this team uh, is going to suffer tremendously for the loss of Declan Rice. And yes, they will suffer. Defensively, they weren't that great to begin with. So, yes, Rice covers up uh, their F-ups, but 
at the same time, he wasn't covering up every single day. It's like, I, I know the metrics look good, but what, uh, what they're going to miss more from Rice is probably just the guy in the locker room just making sure everyone's on the same page and focused, and so guys don't check out. That's going to be more of the key. If David Moyes gets off to a slow start with his uh, West Ham squad, it would not shock me if he got canned and uh, to bring in uh, someone with a little bit more sizzle. But, again, you know, I, I don't know what the West Ham realistically goals are because they didn't bring anyone in uh, that was a big signing. It was more of a, like, retaining, you know, you got Mikel Antonio, you still have Jared Bowen, uh, Saeed Ben Rama. Like, you have talent. But they didn't really add to the squad. Um, the biggest add was on, uh, and I'm saying uh, Onana, I meant Ariola, Alphonse Ariola as the uh, goalkeeper. But, you know, eh, it, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the, the, best, uh, the biggest thing about this squad is James Ward-Prowse, again, Gonna be useful for this team with set pieces. There's one thing James Ward Prowse is gonna do. It's uh, the uh, the set pieces for uh, the squad. Now the the thing of it is is that it's not official yet. So if Ward Prowse doesn't go to West Ham, that's actually a bigger deal. But I'm factoring in uh, Ward Prowse gonna be on this squad. This year, to me, it gives them it, it, it makes sure that their floor is solid enough that they should be able to contend for European football. But it's not a lot that they're going to be in for European football, because I'm going to start naming off squads that, again, are playing strong enough that I think they're just better than West Ham. So first off, uh, the top 10, Fulham. I can't believe Fulham was that good defensively last year. I had to go back through the numbers again. Fulham only conceded 53 goals last year, which by Fulham standards is amazing. <laughs> it's like, realistically, you expect Fulham to be conceding 65, 70 goals easy. Uh, I mean, they were playing Tim Ream. Like, like that was amazing. <laughs> like. Now, do I expect that to happen again? No, I think they're going to concede 60 goals uh, plus this year. But uh, they did add Raul Jimenez to go along with uh, Mitrovic because I think they were lacking some additional scoring uh, in the event that Mitrovic was either not playing well, injured, or in Mitrovic's case, the more likely scenario, suspended. Uh, just because he loves he loves getting those yellow red cards. Man, that was the dumbest red card. You know what? Let's not talk about Mitrovic and how he like screwed up the entire end end season for Fulham by getting red carded in a, in, a, in a FA Cup match. We're just gonna walk past like the circumstance of that. We're just gonna focus on the positive. Fulham, excellent scoring uh, opportunities. Uh, 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 Cordova Reed, I, I love Fulham. When they're able to push pace on teams, I think they're a very uh, dangerous squad. Uh, for some reason, Willian actually like works well with this squad. I, 
like surprisingly, like I, it, it's like it's actually worked. It, it's actually worked out well. I, I, you know, I I I stand uh I stand surprised. Uh, Anthony Robinson, uh, Tete, they do well, and Burn Leno in net cleans up a lot of messes that Fulham makes. You know. Again, this team was playing Tim Ream last year. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. Um, yeah, so the, 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 they're and he's still on the roster, by the way. But I, I think overall they're they're, they're just the better defensively, so they don't have to play Tim Ream. Um, but yeah, uh, Fulham. Uh, I think they're absolutely in play for European football. Uh, it's just gonna kind of come down to some of the breaks of some of these tight games. Uh, that makes or breaks so of whether or not they can actually hit their upside, or they're going to be in the low uh, low 50s that I have them projected for. But they absolutely have potential to be uh, winning uh, close to uh, uh, getting above the 60-point mark. Uh, I, I don't have any doubt about that. In ninth, I got Aston Villa. All right, so Villa. Being... Uh, <laughs> The expectations for Villa are higher than where I think they can actually go. Uh, and one of it is just unfortunate. I mean, Emi Bondia, like, blew out his knee, like, in training last week and is out for eight months. Like, so he's he's basically done for the year. He's their best player. I don't really know what they're going to do. Like... Yes, they signed Musa Diaby, who who's going to play, uh, who should be solid. Uh, you know, everyone loves Ali Watkins. I think Ali Watkins is incredibly inefficient uh, as a striker. Maybe he has the breakout year, but I think you know, unless Diaby like goes off and becomes a big time force, like I, I think there's there's going to be some difficulty. Uh, with uh, how things are lining up. So my personal feeling with uh, the squad is the fact that it will be a little bit of a, a struggle for, you know, in general, for the, the for this squad to be, like, uh, relatively useful. So, I mean, they'll have sp- spots where they look good, but I think they'll have spots where they look absolutely terrible. Uh, so again, I, I think a lot of has to go well. Like, while I do like Dingy and I do like uh, Matty Cash, I do think that this team and you know Debu and that oh, always solid. Like, I, I, I again, this team, <laughs> uh, Unai Emery, again, I don't think he could actually coach this team up to being a European squad. That's my personal opinion. Talent-wise, could they make Europe? Yeah. I, I think they, they have talent. I just think that when you start naming the remaining teams up, that's where the uh, the gap is. So I, I just don't see necessarily Villa uh, measuring up. So, without much further ado, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get through uh, the top teams that... I expect to be vying for Europe uh, this upcoming year. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back and talking Premier League. This is where things get dicey. Because in terms of projections, I actually still have a tough time figuring this out because there is a very important transaction that is falling apart that is actually integral in terms of figuring out European football. Because Liverpool was supposed to sign Moises Caicedo from Brighton. Why does this matter? Because Liverpool's uh, all-season transactions have not addressed the primary concern of Liverpool, given that, uh, realistically, their midfield was so old that they had absolutely no one capable of playing defensive midfield in that roster with any sort of competency that would give you any level of uh, confidence that would be suitable of replacing Jordan Henderson, who was not good, by the way, last year. Henderson showed that he was washed. But, be that as it may, Henderson is still a better option than nothing at all, which is where Liverpool is at. If Caicedo falls through, technically, eighth spot goes to Liverpool, which would be a massive uh, blow for Liverpool fans missing out on European football. I mean, they got away with it and managed to scrape through to get to fifth last year. But that was a struggle for them. I think they end up in eighth if they can't figure out the midfield situation. Now, is Caicedo that good? I have my questions about that. But again, something is better than nothing. And not having this addressed to start the year and putting yourself in a hole where you're going to have to claw out of it to get into European football... With as loaded as the top of the Premier League is this year, I think it's tough. I think this is going to be a long campaign for Liverpool if they can't figure out this midfield situation. They screwed up by not getting Tyler Adams from Leeds. And there may still be a chance because Chelsea is swoop trying to hijack the Caicedo discussion because apparently Caicedo told Liverpool he agreed to terms with Liverpool to begin with. Then if... It didn't go through. Then uh, Chelsea grabbed Tyler Adams from Leeds, but that deal may fall through. So then Tyler Adams may go to Brighton. And again, Liverpool seems to be not in control of any of this situation. As I said, if Liverpool can't get this thing done, Liverpool's eighth. If they can get it done, they're probably sixth or seventh. They could be higher. But I'm having I'm having my doubts <laughs> that uh, because again you have to factor in injury like only getting one guy when you actually need two at least two players for the role is not an ideal situation. But it is what it is. Uh, Liverpool, 
yeah, I, I think this is going to be a struggle of a campaign again with Jurgen Klopp and company. Um, Mo Salah can score goals. Uh, Darwin Nunez, talented. Uh, Cody Gappo, talented. They don't have any defensive midfield. They can't slow down. <laughs> they can't slow down opposing counterattacks. Like, I think it's going to be a tough campaign for Liverpool. Truth be told. Chelsea. Woo! Hey, the best thing about Chelsea, as much as everyone complains, uh, Graham Potter's gone. You offloaded a bunch of players to the Saudi League. You've avoided financial fair play regulations. This is a tremendous offseason if you're a Chelsea fan. As much as you want to complain, you got off easy if you're a Chelsea fan. Truth be told, you should have been in way worse shape than you are right now. So you should be happy, (laughs) all things considered. You actually have a shot at European football with your current roster. And again, you're not in violation of financial fair play. Now, I know what some of you are saying is that, Dwayne, uh, Liverpool massively underachieved last year. Of course they did. They had a terrible coach. They're going to actually have time with Mauricio Pochettino, who needs to make this work. I think he will make this work. I think Enzo Fernandez will actually show how good he actually is. I think this team will be fine. I don't think they're going to be anything special but I think they're going to uh, find ways of winning games that folks are kind of look up and say, oh, wow, how the hell did Chelsea end up here? I don't think they're going to be a massive goal-scoring team, but I think they're going to be solid enough. And they have the talent on the back line to be far more efficient of a roster than people expect. I think Chelsea is going to be better than uh, most people's expectations of them are. I think they make European football. Doesn't mean that I think they're a tremendous roster or anything. I just think Poach will get them to where they need to be. Next up, Brighton. Brighton, again, keeps doing sensible moves, and I don't hate their roster. Uh, I mean, you know, even with uh, losing McAllister... And you, and you still don't have uh, as many uh, as many folks as you would normally have in past years because uh, you know again I I, I honestly think that uh, truth be told uh, oh yeah McAllister uh, ended up going to Liverpool by the way um, but truth be told I look at this Brighton squad I think they're going to be solid again. And if actually they hijack this Tyler Adams deal, I think it gives them the additional uh, uh, center defensive midfielder to wreck teams on the back end. I actually think they're going to be really dangerous. Again, I think they played solid enough football. I think Matoma, again, he uh, he does enough things that are remind me enough of some that I think he. Plays off enough. And then, yes, is he a great goal scorer? No, but he's a solid enough poacher that Danny Welbeck will just be able to uh, soak up goals uh, generated by Yao Pedro and Sally March and Matoma up top. Uh, like, I think they are a solid team. Uh, again, when you play solid football and you have talent, 
And you have uh, depth in different spots. Estupion is very solid. The thing that I hate most about this squad is the fact that they still play Estupion. I mean, uh, not Estupion. Uh, they still play Lewis Dunk, who might be the dumbest <laughs> like center back not named Harry Maguire. Uh, hey, Harry Maguire finally gone off, off of United. Um, congrats. Uh, but, yeah, like that literally is the only part of the squad I hate. You know, Raya going uh, to Arsenal. I, I, I mean, not not. Uh, I, I honestly don't think. Um, I said Raya, but I meant uh, Robert Sanchez. So Sanchez, their primary keeper, got uh, sold to Chelsea to be the backup to Kepa. I honestly don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I actually don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I think it's good business for Brighton. It gives them additional cash. I think they will be fine. Uh, again, with some of these teams, I think Brighton just does good business. The roster is well balanced. I don't really see a ton of holes with it. Like, again, they're not household names. No, no one's going to be excited with a Billy Gilmore. Uh... I mean, Pascal Gross is always uh, solid. Like, again, they're pretty solid across the board. Like, I don't see, like, uh, uh, like tremendous, like, issues with that squad. With the way they set up, like, they, they're always plucky. So, again, I think they're actually going to be solidly in contention for European football. Uh, again, uh, you know, this, uh, to me, it'll be interesting to me with Brighton is the fact that with them playing in European football, how long they stay in it, because that probably hurts their upside in terms of uh, their depth overall in the squad, but I'm not actually worried about Brighton that much this year, truth be told. Next up, we got Spurs. Oh, Spurs. Here's the talking point I want to get to. Without much further ado, with Harry Kane going... I honestly think Spurs is going to be better off without Kane. I think Spurs, again, to me, the biggest issue with Spurs is the fact that, honestly, Spurs just seem to be in a rut where they kind of, they they were kind of focused on, um, a lot of hurricane stuff. And I think the biggest the bigger loss for Spurs is not Hurricane. It's the fact that um Hugo Lloris is no longer on the squad. To me, I think Lloris is the bigger loss on the team than Harry Kane. Now, on the flip side, if you're not a Hugo Lloris uh uh fan or or like uh, you don't think he's that good you could argue Hugo Lloris and his negative attitude about how this team constantly loses was probably holding the team back I don't think he was necessarily negative I think he was a more positive effect on the squad but I, I, I get the commentary against Hugo Lloris I get it because he would also have some questionable decision making to say the least but all things being considered Madison, Kulusevsky, Richarlison, and Son are more than enough 
to get that offense going. You ha- they also got Pesoma and Pape saw like Spurs has attacking options. They didn't need they didn't need Kane. The bigger thing with Spurs was I hated their style of play where they just seemed pretty freaking lazy overall. Like that, that that just seemed to be Spurs in general last year. Lackluster overall, what's their motivation? I think a lot of it had to do with Kane. And just waiting to see what he's gonna do. I think being put on the spot where no Kane, somebody else got to step up and produce, spotlights on the, these guys, I think they're going to be better served with it. Truth be told, I, I think Spurs has a very good shot at top four. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if Spurs ends up in top four at the end of the year. Not that I expect Daniel Levy to make a big signing. I just think with what they currently have, if guys step up the way that they're capable of playing, Spurs could be in top four, especially if we get uh, uh, a wobble from Newcastle. But I think the top four are going to be pretty sad. But my top four are Newcastle, United, Arsenal, and City. Now, is it in that order? Probably. I will say that probably Arsenal ends up in second. Would it shock me if United ends up leapfrogging Arsenal at the end of the day. No. Do I think Newcastle's pretty much the fourth team? I think so. I, I think with uh, Newcastle squad, they're more than capable of beating any of those teams. My my takeaway, though, is there is a reality where Newcastle doesn't get off to a great start but I think there's just so much talent on that roster that between Isak, Almiron, Aaron Gordon, like uh, who, whom they took from, uh, who they got off of uh, Everton, I, I think overall, Tanali, like there's a lot of talent on Newcastle. I don't even know where Joe Wallach is ever going to play on that Newcastle team. <laughs> yeah, dude, truth be told. But, um, you know. To me, I think Newcastle is solidly in the mix of top four. It's just a matter of can they find a way of getting up further than some of these other squads. I'm not entirely sold Newcastle is going to be in the mix uh, of uh, being in the championship run. I I think they're solidly in uh, Champions League uh, play race like – like, I think they were in the Champions League race throughout the year. I'm just not sold that um, that they're necessarily in the title race picture, uh, if you get what I'm saying. I think that, I think they'll have a solid run. I think they'll be well over 70 points. But I'm not necessarily... I think it's going to be a three-team race uh, for the title. So, you already know who's left. It's United, Arsenal, City. United. Here's the case for United. Realistically, you got an, a full year under Eric Ten Hag. You actually have a team that basically knows what they need to do. Get the ball to Bruno. Let Rashford play off of him. You've already went through the Mason Greenwood experience. Yes, you have Sancho, but frankly, Rashford, like, 
distance himself over everybody else in that locker room. If he wants to be the guy, he's the guy. Play through him. Anthony is going to put up numbers. Garnacho is dangerous. And Mason Mount is going to help them with the transition process that they were lacking in midfield. I mean, to me, it's a solid United squad. The question you would have with uh, United is, is Varane going to be as bad as he was last year? Because, like, Varane was, like, one of the biggest disappointments. I think it's a bounce-back year for uh, Varane. Um, I think Anthony Martial uh, probably ends up asking for transfer yet again. Uh, But I know folks are complaining that because of the uh, United situation, whether or not the Glazers sell out to uh, a sovereign nation, you know, where's the investment coming from? I think there's enough money in this United squad team as is that they should be able to get the job done and be in top four. I actually think they're going to be in the title race throughout the year. That's my personal opinion. I think Onana, you know, again, it's not a knock on David De Gea. I just think that David De Gea was looking to piece out of that squad for three years. And, you know, he's having to come to work with a squad he doesn't want to be on. I think having a guy who's actually excited to be there is actually going to be beneficial for that back line, working with a keeper that actually wants to be there. Not to say that De Gea wasn't putting in the work. He was. But again, I think there's a difference between, again, excitement level of someone who wants to be there and a guy who's just kind of calling you out for your F-ups and not making the encouragement. I, I think there's a difference. I think there's going to be a difference with United, as much as it pains me, because frankly... I think the world's a better place when United's not in top four. But hey, you know, to each their own. All right. So that leads us with Arsenal. The big signing, Declan Rice. You know, I mean, Kai Havertz, I mean, I don't understand the signing at all. Again. Yuri uh, Timber uh, signed for the back line. The Arsenal's back line is in a better spot than it's been in years. But at the end of the day, I still say this again. Even with the Rice signing, you actually needed another central defensive midfield because your squad is still per, uh, pertinent to kind of rotating Tomiyasu uh, in, when Partey's not playing. And Declan Rice, like, yes. Any upgrade over Granite Xhaka is a tremendous boost. I'm not saying no. But what I'm saying is when you're playing top squads, Arsenal still does not have the talent. And I mean this in the nicest way possible. I don't think defensively they, they have the talent in the midfield to lock teams down to short passing lanes. I think Arsenal needs organized chaos to beat top teams. More often than not. I think they need they need it to be a little bit helter skelter. I need they need deflections. Uh, I don't think they can tactically beat top teams. So when it comes to matchups against United City, even Spurs, I think Spurs are going to be better this year again. Chelsea, like I think Arsenal's going to have a tougher time. the The top teams, the top six teams, are better 
spots than they were last year. Well, again, Arsenal overachieved last year. Expectation is for Arsenal to win the title this year. That's the expectation from the fan base and a number of pundits that, like, Arsenal is in that title race throughout the year. They're in first place for over 200, uh, 220 days. Reality situation is that's a level expectation on Arsenal. Good, bad, or indifferent. My point is, overall, I don't think Declan Rice is enough of an upgrade tactically for what Arsenal needs to be able to do to set up against top teams to get them over the top against City. Because when you look at Manchester City, and the reason why I expect them to repeat as champions in the Premier League, and I think they have a very good shot at winning another treble again. You look at the back line of City. John Stones might be the sixth man in. You still have Kyle Walker, Akanji, Ake, the big signing, Guardiol, Laporte still there, Rico Lewis is in that mix. Like, City has such a deep back line that they could start shifting dudes up, playing that, again, that center defensive midfield spot and have, like, five in the back, in a sense, to just lock down passing lanes and then just counter you with all the scoring power they have up top. Because, again, I know everyone keeps talking about E.K. Gundogan being gone from City. Uh, There was a good stretch of five months where Gundogan was being ripped to shreds by uh, folks. Oh, and I forgot about Ruben Diaz. Oh, my goodness, on the back line. Jeez, I still forgot about Diaz. (laughs) It's actually crazy how much talent City has on the back line. Again... The margin for error for City is thinner than it's been uh, for a couple of years now. But even with that being said, if you look at the ELO for City, they were so much better than every other team in the world last year that even a slight decrease because of their offensive capabilities diminishing, defensively, I actually think they were a better squad. And I think because of the fact that, again, the margin for error is thinner, Yes, they still have Holland. They still have Grealish. They still have Phil Foden, the forgotten man that like everyone seems to be forgetting. He's like, Foden's just going to actually play more games again. And they still have Saul Alvarez. They're going to be fine. <laughs> They're going to be more than fine. I honestly think that, you know, the, the, the reports of City being at risk of losing their title are greatly overblown. I think City still wins the title and I think it's a, I think it's a healthier margin this year than it was last year. Uh, last year it was, it was a five point uh, margin. It might be higher this year. Again, defensively, I think City's going to be better because they're forced to be better. I don't think City messes around with uh, the early part of the schedule the way they did last year. They, City was dropping a lot of points and conceding goals to teams. They really had no business conceding goals to it because they were playing sloppy. I don't necessarily see that this year. I think Pep's going to be on their ass even harder this year, knowing that they have a chance of doing history and winning four straight Premier League titles. That, that, like, that is just something like you can't put a number on that Like in terms of legacy. that Being able to do that. Four straight years. Four straight years. 
I think it actually happens. I, I still think this team, it's even even with questions about Kevin De Bruyne and his health. Overall, I think this team still takes care of business. Because we don't know how long De Bruyne is out. He played against Burnley, left early. Even without De Bruyne, I, I think that machine still get, moves along. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, may, maybe... Maybe I overrate like just how much depth City has, but frankly, there are guys that I haven't even named that are still on this squad that will be starting on the top, like eighty, like basically, yeah, I I'd say comfortably like there are guys like Calvin Phillips who will be starting on eighty percent of rosters in the Premier League this year, and he's on the bench, deep on the bench. I didn't even talk about Kovacic. I think Kovacic is a big acquisition from Chelsea that, again, Chelsea had to do it to get out of financial fair play considerations, but it actually helps out City tremendously in terms of uh, the title defense so they shore up in case anything goes down with Rodri. Again, this roster is so deep, they have the flexibility to contend in Europe and still play well domestically. However Pep wants to uh, set up that roster and rotate it out, I I think they're going to be an issue all year long, especially knowing that their margin for error is thinner than than it's ever been. I think that makes them more dangerous. So, there you have it. My preview of the Premier League season. I still think Holland is is going to be a goal-scoring machine again this year. I think he can break 40 goals this year, truth be told. With uh, the added pressure on City, I think he rises the occasion still. But should be a very competitive league overall. I think there's a lot of depth overall in terms of the quality of teams. Yes, the bottom end of the teams are still going to be at the bottom, but I think you're still going to be seeing competitive contests throughout the year. So I think it's the best league in the world by far. I think they're going to do very well in the European competitions like when they have opportunities to shine so yeah more to come in the Premier League this year but uh, I think it's going to be a fun year so hope you guys enjoy that's going to be all for the show today have a good one folks until next time thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown podcast be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts Google Podcast and all major outlets. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.